said, don't, don't keep saying that. Why? I was reading John 3.16, which says, God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son. Whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves the people of this world. And God was just saying to me, you've got to get a perspective on the world, not just the church. I tell you, of course God loves the church, but he loves the people of this world just as much out there. And I want to talk about that this morning so we can get a handle on this because uh, I actually want to go back and revisit a couple of characters uh, from the Bible that I talked about uh, at Easter time only a couple of weeks ago and uh, see what we can learn from them uh, because they teach us a lot about God's heart for lost people. And so um, the first one is um, the lost son. You might know him as the prodigal son or the, the lost son. It's a guy who, a young guy who uh, was the son of a wealthy farmer, and he was one of, uh, you know, one of two brothers. And, and we're just going to read it, actually, if we can put it up on the screen now. It says, um, yeah, so this, this lost son, he wanted, to, he wanted his inheritance. He didn't want to wait for it. He wanted it, like, I want it now, you know. That's like that famous line from Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I want it now. Remember that line? Who's seen Charlie in the Chocolate? You have. <laughs> I want it now. He wanted his inheritance right now. Let's read it. It wasn't long before the youngest son, so the father, by the way, the father agreed that he would divide up his inheritance with his two sons. And it says, it wasn't long before the youngest son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? <laughs> And he began to feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to feed the pigs. And he was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. slop. But, there, but no one would give him any. He was destitute right at that moment. He had nothing to eat. And he was just trying to survive somehow or other. If you, and if you read the rest of the story in Luke 15, it just says that he decided that he would go home to his father's household where the servants, the farm laborers, they had more than enough to eat. They had it pretty good, actually. So he went home and got there. And of course, the father welcomed him with open arms and just loved him and embraced him. And, and we'll come back to the rest of the story a bit later on. But uh, that's the first one, the, the, the lost son. The second one that I mentioned at Easter was uh, this guy called Onesimus. And in the New Testament, and Onesimus was a, a servant, or some say a slave, of a, of a another of a wealthy guy. But he didn't like that lifestyle, so he escaped. Probably stole money from his master and escaped, and he ended up in Rome. Now, Onesimus was living in a place called Colossae, which is in southwestern Turkey. Uh, if you study, look it up, you can see it. Uh, it's not on the map now; it's got a different name, but it was there. They know where it was. It's about two thousand kilometers to Rome. He got to Rome and somehow or other by a strange uh, set of circumstances, he came across the Apostle Paul who happened to be in Rome and he was actually in jail in Rome. And Paul led this young guy to the Lord. I don't know whether maybe Onesimus was thrown in jail for some minor infraction or something. I don't know. But he met Paul. Paul led him to the Lord. And we only know about this because Paul's writing a letter that we have in the New Testament called the book of Philemon where Paul is sending Onesimus back to his master, who was called Philemon. And so, and so we, uh, we read about the rest of that story. 
And uh, this message is called actually Running from God, but it could easily be called A Tale of Two Fugitives. Uh, what, what's a fugitive? Someone who's running from something, running away from something. And both of these young men were running away from something. Um, the lost son uh, probably felt stuck at home. He, uh, you know, he, he felt, um, you know, the, the, the disciplined, ordered lifestyle that he had there as a, as a you know, the, the son of the owner of the farm. He, he didn't really want that. It wasn't, he thought he deserved a bit more freedom, a bit more flexibility. It wasn't the life that he wanted to live and lead. So he ran away from it. Onesimus was running away from the regimented life of a servant. And, uh, you know, I think there's something of the fugitive, something of the runaway in every one of us, really, that wants to uh, maybe somehow escape from some of the responsibilities we all have, that just wants to do our own thing, wants to get away. And you've, you've heard this before, you know, the grass always looks greener on the other side, doesn't it? Is that true? <laughs> now, it's true that it looks greener. It's not that it is greener. Someone said it's greener where you water it. I don't know, but the grass always does look greener on the other side, but it's not actually greener. It's not. And uh, so I, I don't know, as I was just thinking about this, I, I don't know if it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit or it was just my imagination, but I thought of a scene from the man from Snowy River. Who's seen the man from Snowy River? Oh, awesome, quite a lot. So you'll know what I'm talking about here, hopefully. You know, it, you, you know, um, man from Snowy River, um, it's about... This scene is where the young, impetuous Jessica gets lost in the mountains somehow. And she finds her way, she makes her way to her uncle, her uncle Spur. Okay, now uh, Jessica's father is the wealthy landowner called Harrison. He owns the whole place. And Harrison's brother Spur is poverty stricken. He's got nothing. He's trying, he's trying to eke out a living as a gold miner. He lives in some shack, you know, and he's, um, he's just... Trying to, trying to survive, and he does a bit of cattle rustling on the side, okay? So here's Jessica. She arrives at her uncle's cabin, and she's starving, and she's got nothing. So, so, so Spurt, he's going to give her something to eat. So he, he takes her into the, into the, the back room, and he's, he's got up hanging up a side of beef, salted beef or something like that. And, uh, and Jessica says, oh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know you were, you were a cattle farmer. And he says, oh, a, a, a modest herd of poor, poor souls who've lost their way, he said. He said. And then as she's looking at it, she sees there's a brand on it. It's the letter H. And she said, and, and she says, and H is for, uh, uh, he says, oh, oh, homeless. H is for homeless, you know. And I, I just thought about that, and, and uh, it made me think, Jessica totally knows that it's stolen from her father. Okay, she, she knows straight away what, what the story is. But sometimes we look at people who are going through hard times. We look at people who are in very difficult circumstances. Maybe they've got caught up in some destructive lifestyle or something like that. And people are prone to judge them and say to those people, well, you made your bed, now sleep in it. Sometimes people are prone to judge people going through hard times and difficult times and circumstances. And I've seen that happen sometimes. But I want you to know today, friends, that God doesn't think that way. God never looks at people like that. 
when God looks at someone who's going through a difficult time, he sees someone who's lost their way. He just sees someone who's lost their way. And if you look a bit closer, you'll see that those people have got a brand on them. They've got a brand on them. And guess what the brand says? I made this up, but a brand, MLG, made to be like God. Because every person that you've ever seen who's struggling in life, maybe who's destitute, maybe who's got nothing, maybe who's running away from something, maybe who's on the run from something or other, on them, if you could only see, there'd be a brand made to be like God. And that's how God looks at those sort of people because he loves them. And that's my first point. Um, uh, I want to, want to start this morning to say God loves people who are lost. God loves the people who are lost. And friend, I think it's time, it's time for us to get rid of this thinking. Um, well, I'll, I'll say it, I'll make it for myself. It's time for me to get rid of it, but it's actually time for all of us to get rid of this thinking that says, in the world there are two types of people. There are bad people and there are good people. We've got, we've got to get rid of that kind of thinking because God doesn't look at it that way. I want to tell you, God says there's only two types of people in the world. There are people who are away from Him that are not really connected to Him, even though He made them. They're not really connected to Him. They're not, uh, they haven't got a sense of, you know, Jesus or God in their life over here. And there are some people over here that have actually made that connection. Uh, the Bible calls them saved. It, it's, it says people that have asked Jesus into their life. They've, they're called born again. They've got a new, they've got God on the inside of their life. Now, here's the thing. Um, if, we, if we look at people who are lost, you know, there are some good people in that group as well. There are some fine, moral, upstanding, law-abiding citizens in the group who are lost. And if you come over here to the group who are saved, there are some people in there that have really messed up their life. There are some people who are really struggling with life and they cop a lot of flack because they're supposed to be perfect. But actually what's happened is they've opened their heart to God. They've begun to follow Jesus and He's begun to remake their life and remake the way they think. God is doing something amazing in their life. They're saved. Their life might still be a mess. That's what happens, friends. So let's get rid of the idea that there are good and bad people in the world. No, no, there are lost and saved people in the world. And I want to tell you this morning that God loves both those groups. He loves the ones who are saved, and He loves so much the ones who are lost. I just think about Jesus, you know, um, when He was uh, with His disciples. He was always turning their eyes towards the field, the harvest fields of the world and towards people around Him that, that hadn't made that connection with God. And uh, one day when Jesus was visiting an area of people that were like ethnically, uh, you know, outcasts from the nation of Israel, and He uh, it was an area called, a place called Samaria. And um, he saw the people like wheat fields, you know, ready for harvest. And uh, he wanted his followers to feel what the Father was feeling for lost people. Let's read it, John chapter 4, verse 35. And it says, as you look around right now, Jesus talking to his disciples, wouldn't you say it's about four months and it'll be time for the harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you, the people the people of Samaria said, it's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe and it's harvest time. Because that's what 
God sees. That's, and he wants us to see that today, friends. He wants us to understand that all around us, every one of us in this room, people we see on a daily basis, people we work with, you know, it might be family, might be acquaintances, might be someone in the servo where you get your fuel, might be someone in the shop down the street, someone at the checkout, well, you know, whatever it is, there's people all around us that don't know Jesus, and it's a huge harvest of people. And maybe you don't, um, well, let me, let's, let's go along, uh, read the next one. Another time, Jesus was looking over the crowds. In Matthew chapter 9, we'll read this. Uh, says, Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages, and he taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples, and how few workers there are, you know. And uh, maybe, maybe you're, you're feeling this morning and saying to yourself, well, I don't really care too much about this stuff. I don't, I don't really have a, a heart for those kind of people that you're talking about. I don't really, that doesn't really interest me that much. You know what? Jesus answered that question in the very next verse. If we can just go to the very next one, the very next verse, it says, Jesus said to them, on your knees and pray for harvest hands. He said to his disciples, the harvest is so big and the workers are so few on your knees and start praying for harvest hands. So friends, we should do that. We should pray for people uh, you know, to be, to be able to, willing to share their faith. And you know what? God knows our hearts and he, he knows everything about us. And he knows, God knows that when we start doing that, if we start praying for God to send someone else, what's going to happen? He's... I know what's going to happen is your heart's going to start feeling drawn towards that yourself. and Because where you invest your life, your treasure, that's where your heart is. And so your heart is going to be moved for lost people as well. On your knees and pray for harvest hands to go and do that. Okay, second point, God is closer than we think to people who are lost. Not only does He love them, but He's closer than we think to people who are lost. And, uh, you know, some people say, uh, thinking about someone who's, a, as, as they might think, a bad person. They might say, oh, that person, they're a long way away from God. Well, I have to tell you, I've said those sort of things myself in the past. But you, do you know what? God is closer to those people than we think. He, he really is. Um, when the Apostle Paul was on one of his missions trips, he was at this place called Athens. And uh, it was a city full of pagan worship. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 17, well, Paul was waiting there. It says, The longer Paul waited in Athens for Silas and Timothy, the angrier he got. All those idols, the city was a junkyard of idols. There was idols everywhere. Now, let's not, let's not look back at the historical thing and say, Oh, that was really bad. Because most of us here have got some kind of idols in our life too, probably. Things that we really look up to and things we love and things that might maybe take the place of God in our lives. We're all prone to that. Not saying you have got idols, but we're all prone to the possibility of that. So the place was full of idols. And yet Paul says to them, in a couple of verses down, he's, he's talking to the Athenian people. And he says, God's purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. It's back on that last screen. June, if you just put the last screen back up. He's not far from any one of us. 
He's talking to the Athenians who are idol worshippers. They've got no concept of the living God. And he's saying, he's saying, God's not very far from you. God's not very far from you. So friends, keep this in mind. If you work with someone or you know someone who doesn't know Jesus, who's got no concept of God, don't think, oh, it'd be impossible. Oh, they will, they will never, they'll never change or they'll never give their... You know what? The Bible says that God's not very far away from that person. He's right there. He wants to reach into their heart and touch them. Hey, what about this? The prodigal son, the lost son, uh, when he was um, in the pig pen, God was with him right there. I, I hope this doesn't offend you, but God was with the prodigal son right there in the pig pen. Do you think it was just a figment of imagination or one day he had a brain snap and said, I've got to go home to my father? Do you think that happened? I don't think so. I think the Holy Spirit was there nudging him, gently saying, you know what? You can do better than this. You don't need to live here in this pig pen. You can be home with your father. I think that God was speaking to him in his heart. The Holy Spirit was speaking to him, and God was right there with him, right there in the pig pen. What about Onesimus? You know, when he was on the run, he found, he discovered Paul when when Paul was in jail. But um, God was leading him. You know, and we, we, we think that we think that was a coincidence that he ended up meeting Paul when he got to Rome. I, I think that was an absolute God incidence. God was leading him right to the one that would lead him to Jesus. Right, right now, I'm going to ask Haley to come up. Do you want to come up, Haley, for a moment? She's going to just share about some a story that uh, along the same lines. Thanks, Haley. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to share a story about when we were on outreach on. Um, the Toowoomba show holiday night. So it was a Friday night and it was super cool. There was a group of 14-year-old girls and we went up to them and we did whatever the Holy Spirit prompted us to do. And we said to them, could we pray for you? And three of them said yes. And one of them was so intrigued and she had this look on her face. And I said to her, um, what can I pray for you about? And she said, um, actually, it's quite strange. I think it's a coincidence because this day, one year ago, I was at the Toowoomba show and another person asked if they could pray for me. And I said, yes. And now here you are one year later asking if you can pray for me on the exact same day. Um, and I'm like, that's God, man. Let me pray for you. <laughs> um, so that was really, really cool. So I just want to share that story. Okay. okay, so was that a coincidence? You know, that was God at work. So is, is God on that young girl's case? Of course he is. You know, is she going to get saved? Is she going to come to Jesus? Probably, because, you know, God's at work right there in those situations. So, so what I'm saying is don't think if you know someone that, that you think, oh, they could never become a Christian or, you know, they, they're too far gone. Don't ever think that. No one is ever too far gone because not only does God love the person who is lost and running away from Him, but He's closer than you think to them. He's closer than you think. And the third thing, as I'm nearly finished here, is that God uses people who have a heart for the lost. So like in the, in the lost, the story of the lost son, you know, the father, you know, was there waiting and watching. And, you know, when, when he saw in the distance, you know, the, his son coming back towards him, I'm sure he was trudging along probably like this and feeling pretty bad about himself. But when he got the father, it says, ran towards him, ran and embraced him and just welcomed him. He didn't care about how the son looked. He didn't care how he smelled 
He didn't care how he had wasted his inheritance. He just wanted to welcome him back home. Because what happens is God uses people who've got a heart for lost people. And he wants us to be in that situation that we will have a heart for lost people. Because I want you to know God has a heart for lost people. Same thing for the Apostle Paul. You know, he was, you could say, oh, he was just in the right place at the right time and Onesimus came along. Paul was in the right place at the right time, but he had a heart for lost people. He was, he was ready and uh, he was ready to be used uh, in that situation to lead Onesimus to Jesus. And so, uh, you know, God, you know, someone said he's the God of second chances. Well, he's the God of third chances and, you know, he keeps on giving us more chances because his heart goes out toward us so much. I'm going to ask our creative team to come up um, right now. And uh, I, I just want to encourage us here today, this morning, as we bring this to a close, that maybe... Um, You've never really taken time to, to look around you and see the harvest fields of the earth around you. And in actual fact, God is just the Holy Spirit maybe pointing out someone to you this morning, saying, well, what about that person? Maybe you could just say something to them. You know, like, like Haley, you know, I, I really want to commend Haley and, and Leanna's here as well this morning, and others that have been out on the teams, you know, with, with them, with Haley. Um, it takes a bit of courage to do that. Sure. You know, you don't have to be necessarily doing that. You might, you might uh, just be talking to someone that you know quite well. And you might say, uh, you might want to share something, what happened to you. You're a story of how God did something in your life. Or how God, how, how you used to be, and now your life's been turned around. And, uh, you know, and it's been changed. It's not hard to share something like that. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to talk about just that. About how to do that in some simple, practical ways. And so Jesus says to every one of us, I believe, you know, lift up our eyes and see the harvest that is around about us. If that's all we can do today, if we, just, if we can just lift up our eyes a little bit and see the harvest fields around us, I think that is what God is wanting us to do today. Lift up our eyes and see the harvest fields around about us. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like one of those people that's been running from God. And you've never actually stopped long enough to say, you know, God, I need to give my life fully to you. I need to stop running. I need to say it's time to come home. It's time to come and, and allow God to work on the inside and change your life. Because He wants to do that. I wonder, can we just close our eyes for a moment? Because maybe there's someone here this morning that's in that category and you, you've been running away from God and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You, you've heard the story. You've heard the message. Haley shared it before when we, when we came around communion that Jesus died in my place and he died in your place to pay the penalty for our sins. And God says, if you come to me, if you just come to God and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you and he'll come in and live on the inside of you and make your life completely and absolutely different. That's where you're at right now, and you've never, ever done that before. You've never asked Jesus to come in. I want to pray with you, and I want to encourage you in that. And what I'd like to do, I'd like, I'd like us all to pray a simple little prayer this morning, a simple little prayer, only a few lines of asking Jesus to come into our, your heart. And maybe we can all pray it out loud. It's, it's quite okay if you've, if you've been a Christian for a while. That's okay. And let's just do that. Let's pray together that simple little prayer. 
together. Lord God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm sorry for my past. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and make me a new person on the inside. Lord, I'll give my whole life to you and I'll serve you for the rest of my days. Amen. 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 Can we all stand in God's presence right now? I want us to sing that song. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And um, if you're, you're here today and maybe you've prayed that little prayer for the first time, maybe today is the first time when you prayed that simple little prayer. Why don't you raise your hand, let me know, because I want to pray with you.